welcome back to the Past and Present Podcast. This is Kimberly Groves, hoping you've been having a wonderful week. I also hope you enjoyed our talk on the Beatitudes that we had on Monday, and I hope you certainly took some time to explore the topic in further detail. I think the Beatitudes is one of those things that we learn, especially new Christians learn, as the Sermon on the Mount is the seminal study point for learning Christ's teaching in a very compact kind of setting. So I think uh, from a very young age, at least from my, my point of view, I was taught the Beatitudes and many of the things in the Sermon on the Mount from a very young age. So exploring them now as someone older, a little bit more mature in my Christian beliefs, uh, it's, it's certainly more of a eye-opener than it is uh, than it was when I was a, a little girl sitting in Sunday school and in church. Uh, now I also hope you had a chance to uh, listen to both parts of our first article on the destruction of Jericho. And uh, I remember telling you that in our first discussion on Jericho, that uh, academics, archaeologists, academics of any type, not just archaeologists, sometimes engage in a little bit of academic back and forth, or what I like to call nonsense. And uh, Exhibit A, Bryant Woods' uh, uh, paper on the destruction of Jericho, uh, is certainly Exhibit A in that, and uh, how he takes apart the, the two main archaeologists and studies them. So, as always, Somebody says, as people are, they somebody disagreed with Mr. with Dr. Woods in, in his assessment and decided to uh, take a and write an article in rebuttal to his article. So today's article is taken from the September-October 1990 issue of Biblical Archaeology Review, and it is titled, Jericho Was Not Destroyed in the Middle Bronze Age. I'm, I'm sorry, Jericho Was Destroyed in the Middle Bronze Age, Not the Late Bronze Age, by Piotr Biankowski. And this is Exhibit B in the academic nonsense uh, category. And... I will give it to Mr. Binkowski, Binkowski. He really, he basically latched on to Dr. Woods's four-pronged assessment of the situation where uh, Dr. Woods talked about um, the ceramic data, the stratigraphical considerations, the scarab evidence, and a radiocarbon date. Um, so Mr. Binkowski says quite bluntly that one of his arguments, one of Dr. Woods's arguments is misplaced and another is irrelevant and he did but he does take a look at all four of of Dr. Woods's arguments and unpacks them and says that Dr. Woods is wrong and he is right. So we're going to start out with just the ceramic data. So um Mr. Bianikowski uh again he he uh he does illustrate that Wood uh, talks about five different vessels uh, or pieces of ceramic, which he claims are late bronze one, not middle bronze two. Now, Mr. Biankowski says that this argument is flawed in three ways. Uh, 
he says, Dr. Wood illustrates forms that have a long life and that are not particularly diagnostic of either the little, middle or late Bronze Age. Uh, he also brings up the Hyksos um, and saying that if they were not involved in the destructions, it's likely that the destructions at the end of the Middle Bronze Age at different sites occurred at different times and for different reasons. Again, this makes sense. And we're going to come back and we're going to recover some of this stuff um, in just a moment. So, And the third uh, thing um, he brings up is that Wood uses only published material, published parallels to support his chronological conclusions. Um, and Bienkowski uh, actually references some recent research that shows that during the Late Bronze Age, there was a technological change in the production of pottery. So let's, let's attack each of these in, um, in turn. For number one, um, that would illustrate forms that have a long life and are not particularly diagnostic of, of a particular age. Basically, Bienkowski is, talks about the fact that different pottery forms existed for different lengths of time and crossed over the archaeological ages that we define as scientists. Because archaeology, yes, there is a certain aspect to it that is um, sort of, uh, you know, a bit of opinion or a, more of an artistic view of it, but there's also some very strong science. Carbon dating is one of those strong science-y parts of archaeology. So uh, there's objective and there's subjective, and, and pottery is, is one of those things that can can be objective and it can be subjective. And he makes a, a, a compelling point that um, these forms can be found at Gibeon, uh, which is fairly close to Jericho. And he, um, of course, uh, he says Wood cites only two forms from Hazor and Ashdod. And his attempt to proceed, achieve precise dating by parallels from such a dense distance is not very convincing. So he says there's no reason to doubt Kenyon's dating of this pottery to the, to the Middle uh, Bronze Age. There's that, so basically this Bronze Age pottery could have been Middle Bronze. He then talks about the Hyksos, and we talked uh, a little bit about the Hyksos, kind of the short uh, cliff notes, or I guess now they use spark notes, version of, of who the Hyksos were. Uh, that he says... Uh, it is likely that destructions at the end of the Middle Bronze Age at different sites occurred at different times and for different reasons. And this is very logical. Um, so, in other words, the idea that the Bronze Age stopped at one point here and not somewhere else at a different point and somewhere else at an even different point is a logical argument because, again, it not every place was destroyed at the same time. So Binkowski makes the argument the end of the Middle Bronze Age at different sites could be anywhere from about 1600 to 1500 BCE or even later. And Binkowski does use BC, um, so I'm going to correct that to BCE because I want to be consistent. For example, in the, the Middle Bronze Age town of Gezer, uh, continued without destruction well into what archaeologists call the Late Bronze Age. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Kapinski, Kapinski suggests that Jericho City 4 was destroyed well before the end of the Middle Bronze 2. 
And the third thing in terms of the ceramic data that Bienkowski brings up is that Wood used only published parallels to support his chronological conclusions. There, are recent, there was recent research as of 1990 that has shown that during the late Bronze Age, there was a technolo technological change in the production of pottery. Now, there was growing evidence of the abandonment of the fast potter's wheel, um, at, for example, at Tel Deir Allah in, in the Baqa Valley and in Jericho. Now, some drawings of late Bronze Age handmade and slow wheel finished forms appear similar to Middle Bronze Age forms in manufacture, weight and feel, they are quite different. The pottery wood sites from Jericho is entirely fast wheel made and dates to Middle Bronze too. So, again, you can tell by looking at pottery if it's on a fast wheel or slow wheel. Um, so he says, well, this pottery that Woods specifically references actually dates to Middle Bronze too. Now, he also brings up that pesky Cypriot bichrome ware that we talked about. Remember, Kenyon said the fact that no bichrome ware was found in her two 26-foot sections meant that it dated the destruction dated to the Middle uh, Bronze Age. So Bienkowski actually addresses this as well, and he says um, that Wood's references to that, what appears to be late Bronze one Cypriot bichrome ware from, Garst, uh, from Garstang's excavations is wrong. The pottish, pottery that Wood illustrates is standard late Bronze two painted ware, not Cypriot bichrome. And he also says that wood is wrong in ascribing this pottery to the erosional layers on the east side of the Jericho Tell. Remember, a tell is like a hill. So uh, the excavation markings on the pottery refer to rooms in the late Bronze II structure overlooking the spring to the east of the Tell, dating to about 1400 and 1275 BCE. The next thing that Bienkowski references is the stratigraphy. So Wood referred, uh, if you actually read the whole article, Wood referred to Kenyon's Phase 32 as the beginning of the Middle Bronze Three at Jericho. And remember here we talked about that it was that Wood felt that it was implausible to squeeze 20 phases into 100 years. So Bienkowski says he has argued in other places that it is difficult to divide the period from about 1800 and 1550 into two parts. So um, it's, it's difficult to do that. So Middle Bronze 2 and Middle Bronze 3. It's, it's difficult to do that. And Bienkowski says Wood is wrong in citing certain pottery types as a diagnostic tool of Middle Bronze 3. So he says there are actually no forms of pottery accepted as a diagnostic of Middle Bronze 3. And the Jericho pottery analysis shows that there is no justification for any subdivision. In other words, Jericho was a mismatch and mis mismatch, a, a scramming together of all types of pottery um, styles. No st major stratigraphic break can be discerned at Jericho, which might correlate with the Middle Bronze 2 slash 3 subdivision. So, in other words, Wood's attempt to fix this fictional break at 32 is simply misinformation. So again, so he, he kind of dismantles the Wood, Dr. Wood's ar argument about the stratigraphy. Now we get into the scarab evidence. And I have to admit, when I, when I was reading the article last week, I was, over the last couple of weeks, I was very excited to hear Hapshetshet's name brought up. She is one of my favorite people. 
Um, and I, I would, I think I might actually do a talk about her. Uh, so we're talking about the scarab evidence and, and, um, I'll, I'll editorialize a little bit here. So, uh, Biankowski says Wood cites 18th dynasty scarabs from the cemetery excavated by Garstang as evidence for continuity into late bronze one at Jericho. However, scarabs of well-known 18th dynasty kings were very common and could remain in circulation or even be made long after the kings themselves had died. And I mean, we see this today with some of our coins. Uh, we can, I, I can probably go in my wallet right now and scoop up a handful of coins and see everything from 1963 all the way up to 2019 in my wallet. Um, I, you know, occasionally run across a steel penny from World War II. So, and those things are not published. Uh, I've got solid copper uh, pennies. I've got solid silver quarters. So these, these coins are not made anymore, but they remain in circulation. And if, if you talk to anyone in, in terms of, of pulling money out of circulation, that you find it's very, um, the average life of a, a bill is about 18 months in average, and the average length of time for a coin is several years. So just because coins wear slower than bills do, and we have all had that bill, that bill, you know the one I'm talking about, that you get, that is so crumpled and faded that when you try to put it in the machine to get a drink, it just won't take it, and, you, and it's just practically thin, it's so old. Um, I actually have seen, I have gotten a few, uh, and I have them in my wallet, I have some of the old, quote unquote, $20 bills before they did the first remake of the 20. And I have a $10 bill of the same type. And occasionally I run across a couple of $2 bills and they are still being printed. So again, we do run across these, we can call them artifacts of our own money. Uh, so it is not unreasonable to assume that scarabs of popular kings would remain in circulation even after they died. However, I'm going to editorialize here and say Hatshepsut, while a very strong king, and she was a king, she was not a queen, was not what I would have referred to as popular. As a matter of fact, when she died, her tomb was actually hidden to the point that it, it, it's only within the last 20, 30 years been discovered. So I wouldn't call Hatshepsut exceptionally popular, but Tutmosis uh, was definitely, um, and Amenhotep were definitely more, a little bit more popular um, for their time. So, um, so anyway, uh, he says that the um, Middle Bronze Age Jericho tombs in which these scarabs were found were all reused in the Late Bronze too. He says that far more significant is the scarab of Mavra Senshi of the 15th Hyksos dynasty found in the Middle Bronze Age tomb H13 at Jericho, which was never reused. So scarabs of obscure Hyksos kings are not known to have been kept as heirlooms or manufactured later and thus are a better guide to the absolute date of burial. So the 15th dynasty scarab from Jericho would suggest a date of about 1600 
BC for the end of the use of the Jericho tombs. However, to me, that comes with its own set of problems. Is while that tomb may not have been reused, there may have been a reason it was not reused. It may have been from somebody who was exceptionally popular, very well loved, had the money to make sure his tomb was not reused. For the, the tomb location may have been obliterated for some reason, so it may not have been reused. So again, there's problems with that too, and we'll explore them next week. Um, so uh, the, the fourth thing that um, Mr. Biankowski cites is radiocarbon dating. And I myself have a little bit of trouble with this considering where Dr. Wood got his uh, sampling for his radiocarbon date. So he cites, again, Wood cited a carbon-14 date of 1410 BC for a piece of charcoal found in the destruction debris of City 4. So unfortunately, Wood ignored uh, Biankowski's treatment of this exact point. The carbon-14 date comes from the Middle Bronze Age building level site H, stage uh, 12.1i implying a late Bronze Age occupation, which does not occur at Site H until Stage 14. However, this can be explained by possible contamination of Kenyon's Stage 12 from later Bronze Age levels. So in other words, because of the archeolo archeological uh, methods that were used, I'm gonna call it cross-contamination did occur. Um, it, uh, and before, even before all this, the earliest archaeology was not exceptionally careful. So again, Wood, this is valid, Wood could have obtained a carbon-14 date of something that basically was a contaminant, um, a time contaminant, if you will. Uh, it's quite clear that Garstang penetrated through the floor of a room in Kenyan Stage 12, which is exactly where the carbon-14 sample came from. So again, remembering that Garstang dug before Kenyon, it's quite possible um, that, that some sort of time contamination of, of material could have occurred. So uh, Biankowski uh, concludes by saying Wood has attempted to redate the destruction of Jericho City 4 from the end of the Middle Bronze Age to the end of late bronze one. And he has put forward four lines of argument. However, none of these arguments can stand up to scrutiny. On the contrary, there's actually more evidence in Biankowski's opinion to confirm Kenyon's dating of city four to the middle bronze age. So uh, he says we, we should reject Wood's attempt to redate the destruction of city four with the Israelite conquest of Jericho. So, uh, well, that, it was a very brief article, um, and I encourage you, it was only, I think, a total of uh, four printed pages, not even that, and it was, again, what Jericho was destroyed in the late, in the Middle Bronze Age, not the Late Bronze Age, by Piotr Biankowski. It appeared in the September-October 1990 issue of Biblical Archaeology Review. And you can read the article in its entirety at www.baslibrary.org. Again, as always, I enjoy hearing from you. You can email me at kimg.pastandpresentpodcast at gmail.com, on the Twitter machine at, at podcast underscore past, and on our two Facebook pages, Rebirth Network and Rebirth Encouraged, both with a purple heart between the words. 
join us on Monday when we will be discussing the sermon, uh, continuing our discussion on the Sermon on the Mount, and we will be discussing salt and light. Again, this is Kim Groves with the Past and Present Podcast, hoping you maintain a wonderful weekend and hope you stay blessed and unstressed and unbothered by the rest. Have a great weekend.